Mexican invasion! Hello, and welcome to Invasion of the Weird. I will be taking the steering wheel on this one. My name is the G-Man, I am the co-host, and I'm joined today by your main host, Asian H. What are we talking about today, G? Well, I, I figured that we've talked about a lot of heavy things in these past episodes, and I'd like to maybe lighten it up just, just for a little bit and give our viewers a break so they're not so paranoid after hearing about the aliens and the conspiracies and the Sasquatch. So today, I figured we would talk about time travel. Some semi-confirmed? Allegedly plausible. In this one, am I Doc or Marty? Morty. You're Morty. Okay, I'll be Morty, but you gotta be Biff. Deal. Deal. Rough. But you're future Trump Biff. Actually, you know, we should not do Morty because I hear that they're canceled now. They're and, canceled now. And I have not looked at the sketch that makes them canceled. But they say there's a sketch that Dan Harmon did that was really effed. But since we're talking about Back to the Future, let's talk about things that were eerily close to what happened today, what is happening today in the present time that was foreshadowed years in the past. So everybody knows about The Simpsons. Um, I actually have a whole list of uh, Simpsons we could do. Because, honestly, Matt Groening might be a time traveler. I think he might be a time traveler. I think, actually, that there is a number of large uh, media influencers that might be trying to warn us of something. Either that or, you know, it's manifest destiny and it becomes pop culture and just happens. But tell me all about what The Simpsons got right. The Simpsons did it first. So Simpsons did it. South Park has already had a whole bit about how Simpsons have done everything. And a lot of people just chalk these up to The Simpsons has put out so much content that, of course, some things are going to be right. That okay, being but what said, about the shot for shot? However, shot for shot, there's a lot of things where it's like, that's a little more than a coincidence. And a lot of folks consider it more of a displaced, temporally person, a.k.a. a time traveler. Is literally just leaving little breadcrumbs, almost like a uh, calling card. Like the Joker would leave at a bank robbery, just like the Joker card. Sly Cooper. Sly Cooper. Leave the Thievius Raccoonus, Sly Cooper face in vaults. So the idea is that Matt Groening is from the future. Not only that, the show Futurama is showing us physically what the future is going to be right like. Be that the year 3000 or even sooner. But if it was the year 3000, it kind of makes sense to me that if you made a TV show over a thousand years before, it probably wouldn't muddy the water as much to get that far off. Unless the multi-worlds theory is correct and the butterfly effect, which we'll totally go into later with other time travel stories, that any effect that you have radically changes the future. So some examples of The Simpsons just getting it right beforehand. Uh, before the September 11th attacks, there's an episode, and this is one of the only ones that I didn't write down the season an episode for, where I believe it's Lisa holds up a picture with a bus and it says $9 on it, but it has a big 9 
And then the Twin Towers next to the 9, so it says 9-1-1-9-11. That kind of blows people's minds, because like, hey, 9-11. Next up I have uh, Season 2, Episode 4, 1990. They have a three-eyed fish show up, and then almost 10 years later, similar exact situation where the fish is found in the river right next to the nuclear power plant. In Argentina, they pull out a three-eyed fish from the reservoir at a nuclear power plant. Season 4, episode 21, Marge predicts murder hornets, or giant Asian wasps. So this is 1993, and it predicts something happened today, 2020, having those giant freaking bees going around. Recently, I've seen a lot where, and I wish I wrote down the episode, just coming to my mind right now, where they show basically the coronavirus, COVID-19, coming from China, and then sweeping through Springfield. Another big one, season 5, episode 10, 1993. It predicted 10 years before it happened, the Siegfried and Roy White Tiger mauling on stage in Las Vegas. Awful. Those guys, super talented. Love those tigers. Might have been weird. Tiger King's got me feeling some way about tigers now. Tiger people kind of freak me out. Speaking of which, do you understand that if you just, like, had your stimulus check, you could probably go afford yourself a baby tiger? You could allegedly buy a baby tiger. Allegedly. It's technically illegal, but apparently everybody who uh, owns and trades tigers does copious amounts of meth, according to the documentary. Another big one, Season 5, Episode 19. Uh, did you ever hear about the Ireland horse meat scandal? I... Did tell me all about it though. Okay, so 1994 episode, the lunch lady is seen throwing meat out of a barrel into the kids' food, and it says uh, assorted horse parts. Then in 2003, Ireland did a test on hamburger meat in the supermarkets. One third of all hamburger meat tested positive for horse DNA, and 85% tested positive as being pork. Huh. So, hope you weren't trying to keep kosher, because it wasn't happening. Season 6, Episode 8, correctly predicts the absolute shit show of uh, autocorrect on Apple devices. At one point, the bullies take a handheld Apple device that looks like an iPhone. At the time, it was the Newton, and they say, make a note to beat up Martin. The device autocorrects it to... Eat up Martha. Season 6, episode 19 predicts the exact location and shape of a now famous skyscraper in the London skyline. Did not exist at the time. So in 1995, this episode comes out and it shows the shard in the background. The shard, as it is now, didn't start construction until 2009. So they physically drew this in. It was like, this is London. 1995, 2009, they actually built this skyscraper in the exact location that it is in the show. Uh, this one, crazy to me. Season 8, episode 1, called Wizard of Evergreen Terrace. Homer becomes some inventor, and is like super smart, and he writes out this big equation on chalkboard. He accurately writes out the Higgs boson, a.k.a. the God Particle, which was hypothesized in 1964 
but not truly penciled out or discovered until 2013. And in 2013, it was only discovered at the completion of a $13 billion experiment. 1998, here is groundbreaking, earth-shattering physics and a picture of donuts. Season 9, Episode 3, correctly predicts the Ebola pandemic. Season 10, Episode 5, Fox buys out Disney. Season 11, Episode 17, accurately predicts the Trump presidency and even the now-famous escalator ride down to him announcing his presidential bid. It's almost a shot-for-shot remake, except for The Simpsons did it first. Season 21, Episode 12, eight years before it happens, they predict the huge upset at the Olympics of the U.S. beating Sweden. In Season 23, Episode 10, they predict Greece's default and ensuing economic crisis in 2012 when it actually happens in 2015. And the list just goes on and on and on from uh, Lady Gaga's Super Bowl performance to the admittedly awful, awful ending of Game of Thrones. And it's just sprinkled through there like nothing happened. And I guarantee, as time goes on, more and more things that The Simpsons have predicted will come true. And I think that's total coincidence, or it's some sort of retro-causality, but it's insane to me. There's a clip out there that I remember who said, but he's like, hey, just just let us know you're a time traveler, Matt Groening. We can understand if you get like four or five things right, but over 20 things? Yeah, yeah, one or two times I'm like, oh, that's crazy. But you get up to 30-something, and it's like, I'm on to you, Mr. Groening. I'm on to you. What is the future like? Why didn't you tell me to buy Bitcoin? You know, the Simpsons probably didn't tell us to buy Bitcoin. We just haven't checked it out on the episode yet. I mean, that's probably true, but while that's crazy and we have that alleged time traveler, do you know anything, and I honestly do not, uh, I, I know very little about this, but do you know of a alleged Nazi time machine? Oh my god, I love this one. Yes. Will you please inform the listeners about it? Because after this... I would like to go back to the pop culture and tell the world about the boy that I love dearly. So this is actually a UFO encounter and is one of my favorite ones. So towards the end of World War II, the Nazis were working on uh, Wunderwaffen or Wonder Weapons, things just Hail Marys to win the war. I played COD Zombies. I know what Wunderwaffen uh, means. Get that uh, ray gun and the uh, thunder gun. Them zombies are toast, son. Anyway, they were working on something that supposedly worked off of this substance called red mercury, which may, another friggin' Lazar reference, may be element 115 that interacted with gravity in such a way for it to work. Eerily like the videos that have come out and been confirmed by the Pentagon, courtesy of our boy Aliens Exist himself, Tom DeLong. That's hilarious. That's what the secret, super secret element in COD Zombies is called. It's oh, element nice. 115. Thanks, right. Google. Thanks, Google. So, what happened was the Nazi bell was being experimented on in this grove in Germany. You can go there now, and there's, there's this like Stonehenge-looking concrete structure with pillars around it and a ring. 
The idea was is that the bell was chained in the middle, so its weird anti-gravity properties could be tested without them just losing it. And uh, then they just lost it. It disappeared. Forward a decade later, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, a UFO crashes and is then recovered by the military and the police with the exact same description as the Nazi bell der Glocke. So it's my personal belief, and the same with many other people out there, that this UFO crash in the Pennsylvania rural area was der Glocke jumping forward in space-time after a test and just happening to land not in the same place that it went off of. Well, that's one of the things that uh, a lot of skeptics try to explain to prove that time travel couldn't be real, is that going through time, space-time, if you, if it doesn't, because it doesn't travel through space, it's supposed to just travel through time. Our Earth is constantly moving and rotating with our universe. Mm-hmm. If it only moves through time, it's not going to end up in that same spot. Yeah, but I think a lot of the critics that give that don't see time the way that Einstein did. Time, the way Einstein saw it, was space-time. One and the same, different expressions of the same thing. Uh, and honestly, we're going to get into a time traveler case later in this episode where his alleged time machine has this exact principle in mind. It has a gravity lock so that you don't end up in mid-space. You end up in the spot you're currently on. And if, say... Do you do a gravity lock, you said? We're jumping ahead, but it was a... Yes, a variable gravity lock is what it was claimed. But we'll get into that case later in the episode. If the Nazis had even a rudimentary idea and were testing this out, there could have been no pilots at all in Der Glocke. Just a machine. And they just put all their eggs in this basket, and it worked better than they could have ever hoped. And then it was just gone. Ends up in the future on the right planet, just on the wrong continent. Yeah, but the war had already ended. The war had ended. And probably Operation Paperclip Scientists could have figured that shit out. You know, Operation Paperclip Scientists, if the Kecksburg incident did happen, would have been the ones they took this device to. It could have been the exact same people that from the Derek Glock experiments going... Oh my god, I lost this. Where did you find it? You're like, oh, Pennsylvania? Crazy how nature do that. And you know what? That might even go on to explain how the uh, alleged time traveler at the end of this episode, who claimed to be a military personnel from the future, had his time machine. It was a perfection of the one recovered by the Americans who at that point then had Nazi scientists working for them to continue experimenting on it up until 2036, where this guy comes from. I love what you're saying, and I think we should put a pin into it until you tell that exact story. Yeah, I want you to get into another case of another time traveler, but thanks for bringing up Kecksburg, the acorn, a.k.a. the bell, a.k.a. Derglaka, because that one's often seen as an alien UFO crash, and I'm... I'm saying it was a human time travel experiment that uh, went horribly right. 
I I also had thought that it was a time machine, and that's why I decided to bring it up. Now, we talked about TV, and as you know, I'm a big fan of video games. Do you know anything about the man named Hideo Kojima? I just want to start out and say that I love that this story is not going to be Americocentric. As in, a lot of these stories, time travely, timey wimey, whatever Doctor Who bullcrap. Wibbly wobbly. Wibbly wobbly, flibbly flobbly, you know, science words. Gesundheit. Gesundheit ends up all around the world. Tell me about Mr. Kojima. Uh, he's the Metal Gear guy, right? The Death Stranding guy? He is the Metal Gear and the Death Stranding guy. And uh, for anybody that may or may not be in the business, if you're listening, if you're working for Konami, go fuck yourself. Now, <laughs> Hideo Kojima was a game developer, or is a game developer. He's not dead. But he got released from Konami and uh, didn't finish uh, Metal Gear Solid V, officially known as Metal Gear Solid V. And there's a lot of things into that. Play the game. Um, Okay, but he's a time traveler? And let me get into it. So, Mr. Kojima has predicted certain events in a broader spectrum than... In your face, Matt Groening did. In Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, the entire... It's a beautiful name. The entire game series is... However, in Sons of Liberty, the entire premise, the entire storyline, as it takes place a couple years ago, when all this starts happening, it talks about... The age of the digital era where there is constantly falsified news. The fake news. The fake news. And it also goes into a story about taking what you know and passing it on to another generation, which I think would be a time traveler's goal when he's coming out here and trying to teach us things. But in this falsified news generation, in this technologically sound universe... It gets to the point where, remember when we talked about Operation uh, Mockingbird? Yep. The entire system, it, it predicted the NSA. It will know, there's an AI that will know what everybody is thinking, follows our phone conversations, our social medias, everything, until it knows what it needs to tell us to make us think in a certain way. And beyond that, the story goes on where they take that news and create all these false flags to create a perpetual conflict. A lot of what you would see today in, say, the civil unrest here in the States or the remilitarization in Japan. Let me just point out, that's ringing a lot of bells with me. Uh, Trump just came out and said that he was floating the idea of pardoning Edward Snowden for the NSA whistleblowing. This also, this idea sounds exactly like the system that China currently has in their social credit system, where they built the most advanced facial recognition AIs to 
literally build 1984 where the state sees everything you do and then gives you points plus or minus based on how favorable and good you are towards the Communist Party. You say great things about the Communist Party, more points. You say bad things about the Communist Party, less points. To the point where you might even disappear. But you get less points, you don't get hotels, no access to certain grocery stores, no buses, no trains, da-da-da-da-da. The Chinese social credit system is legitimately terrifying. And the route they're going down, I was listening to Elon Musk the other day of SpaceX and Tesla talking about this being the last few years before we have AI advanced enough where we have literally opened Pandora's box. And that's that's exactly the case. The villain of Metal Gear Solid 2 is the president of the United States. Is it Trump? Essentially. No shit, really? No, but there is a uh, senator in Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Revengeance? It's a stupid name, but such a cool game. And the senator, his name is Senator Armstrong, It goes on this huge political rant, and he's the big bad guy of that game, and he literally says, it's time to say, fuck American pride, it's time to say, the strongest will survive, and a man will live for himself. And you're like, okay, okay, but where's Trump getting into this? The exact words of make America great again is said in that speech at the end of the game as you're doing your final boss battle. Okay, but like, Make America Great Again... It was also a Reagan thing, I know. Okay, okay, okay. Continue. I, I'm really into Kojima possibly being either prophetic or literally from the future. Yeah, so the villain who is the president of the United States, I'm sorry about the spoilers, it's a 19-year-old game. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's over 10 years old, there's no need to give a spoiler um, alert, I feel. And the president's whole goal was to create this fake terrorist attack in New York. And ironically, that's why they had to change a bunch of things in the game, because it was released a month after 9-11. Oh, this is some predictive stuff. Because they were building this before it happened. Correct. And then it happened. And the terrorist attack in the United States was all orchestrated by the president to destroy this AI and give the people their freedom back from this higher automated intelligence system power to give us back our freedoms, stop this whole listening in on our conversations, not censoring the internet, not censoring the free press. And honestly, I think he was a pretty good guy, even though he was kind of a bad guy. Okay, if you know what I'm talking about, I can't think of the game, but there is a PlayStation 1 game where the Twin Towers are missing because of the memory uh, capabilities of the PlayStation, not being able to physically put them in world. And the way they got around it was by saying that in the early thousands, terrorists took them out. I couldn't tell you. I, I, I want to say I know it's like Deus Ex or something. 
It could be early, Deus Ex. Like, if a listener knows what game I'm thinking of, please reach out and let us know. But beyond that, not a big socio-political prediction that Kojima-san had would be in his most recent game, created by his own studio, starring Norman Reedus, Death Stranding. A couple months before the Rona hits, the entire game shows an isolated America due to a very deadly parasite, I want to say they called it. I haven't played the game yet. I know this. Something. It, it rots everything around it. So everyone's stuck in their house, and a delivery man is there. That's right. Norman Reedus plays a delivery man who is America and the rest of the world's savior in these times of quarantine. And it was released months before the Rona hit. Gosh dang Rona. Ruining my 2020 and yours. What are we talking about? We've got a great group of listeners to hear us rant and rave about what's going on in the outside world while we're cooped up on the inside. Speaking of just time itself, what what do you think about the the physical nature of time? Like which model, when you put it in your mind, do you most subscribe to? I many years ago when I couldn't sleep, I uh, would put on this YouTube video. And it was called uh, Trying to Imagine the Tenth Dimension or something like that. And when I think of time, I think of their explanation of the fourth dimension being time. Where time is like another dimension to us. We, we have the first, which is... A singular point. A singular point. A second being a flat area. The third being currently in depth, what we can currently view. And when you get to the fourth, you if you think of a second dimensional being witnessing us, they wouldn't be able to completely understand us. They would see us as a flat lander, is what they called it. Gotcha. So they would see us as like a sheet of paper I think or like it's, a painting. I think it's easier to explain in the reverse. Okay. So a three-dimensional object casts a 2D shadow. Correct. A fourth-dimensional thing casts a 3D shadow. Essentially, when you look at if we were to be in the fourth dimension and we could visualize it, you and I would be one giant worm going from our creation to death to our death moving going about and just constantly expanding through that dimension gotcha which is what's going to do on like how time itself works right i was getting that so there's the timeline theory where all time is from one point to the next. In your example, the fourth dimension is that timeline theory. But it gets more complex from that from the fifth. The fifth would be that same snake of every action you ever take, but with the element of choice. So every single time you make a choice, your snake branches off into other branches. So instead of going to be one squiggly line, it is now a tree. 
what I'm getting at is the multi-worlds theory where every action ever taken physically splits the universe okay. into two separate universes where each action is taken. I see exactly where you're going, and that is a little more in-depth than my next story, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and tell it. You tell the next story. Okay, so there's this common or relatively common and recent theory about time travel. And the theory is that love him or hate him, Donald Trump, his son, Baron, is a time traveler. I actually love the Baron Trump is a time traveler. It all comes from a book found in the uh, Library of Congress, right? Correct. Is it called, it's called something like uh, Baron Trump, the last... Uh, what is it? So, I want to get a little bit more preface before I get into it. So, the story is called uh, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey. However, it has a sequel, I believe, called The Last President. The Last President. Ooh, 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 with elections around the corner. That sounds spooky. It is so spooky, and we've had a very lighthearted conversation so far. Let's get into the spook. Well, here's here's the spooky part. You know that Snopes, the fact-checking service, will take anything that sounds relatively cool about any conservative figure and just go slap it with a false sticker. I literally saw today, and I don't care what your political leaning is, I saw the actual clip of the new VP uh, presidential candidate saying, what do we know about this demographic of voters, 18 to 24? They're stupid. They're stupid. That's why we put them in dormitories. Snopes fact checks, true and false. It's, it's insane. Snopes is literally just a couple of people writing whatever they think about the internet. No, and I agree. It's a, it's essentially like Quora or Yahoo Answers. It's literally Yahoo Answers of one guy or like a couple of folks giving their opinion on everything. Well, here's the deal about the Baron Trump uh, underground adventure is that I didn't look into the Snopes article because I think it's way too biased. And honestly, I don't care about a lot of people's political opinions unless you're a communist. Don't like the commies. Sorry, listeners. If you're a commie, not sorry. There's uh, too many bodies stacked in the name of that ideology. Snopes will tell you that that's not true. Uh, Snopes will say mostly false. All right. Well, the Baron Trump story by Snopes was labeled mostly true. And here is what I recall from the story. So there is... An alleged story about Edison creating a time machine. Alleged means that Nikola Tesla probably made it. Edison took credit. Probably. <laughs> and that it, the alleged part is that it worked. We know that he tried to build one. All the H.G. Wells? Correct. And... Let me, side note. I love H.G. Wells. Weirds me out that he's a Fabian Socialist. I think we should do the whole Fabian Socialism Society story on another episode. But 
Sorry, you just continue. Okay. So the theory is Edison created a time machine and that a great uncle or something of that sort of the Donald J. No, this is Tesla. I know this story. Oh, is it Tesla? Tesla actually does make That's funny because Tesla does make it. Uh, was like an assistant or something to it. When Tesla died, the government, the scooped, government up. scooped up as much Tesla shit as they could. Man was ahead of his time. Tesla literally invented what he called a death ray and then broke it apart into pieces and gave the pieces to the rival powers around the world so they may never be reunited. Uh, there's stories of Tesla doing experiments that literally shake New York as if there's an earthquake. And, yeah, he was working on time travel stuff. Trump's uncle... Correct. Okay, let me get into it. Yeah, get into yeah, it. So, Trump's uncle... I think was an assistant or something to Tesla. Uh, I think he was working in the government and was responsible for the pickup of it. Okay. Well, the story is, and this is this is the theory part, not nothing to do with the book, is that Baron Trump has access to just about anything right now. If he is digging through some storage rooms because he's a kid and wants to see some cool shit, he's going to find the Tesla room. He found the button in Nixon's secret bowling alley. See the notes that were taken on how it works and get trapped in the past. This is where the book comes in. The book explains how he went to the past and did some crazy stuff and he gets trapped there. But the last president explains that there is going to be a last president and that the last president nobody thought would win and yet he somehow won in a landslide. And he and the last president was based in Brooklyn, I think is where Trump Tower is, on Fifth Avenue. And it says on Fifth Avenue. It doesn't say Trump Tower. But that's where Trump Tower is. And that, you know, it, it just blows my mind is that they have all these things that talk about the Donald J, the DJ Trump. And it doesn't exclusively say it because, you know, that would break the quantum reality of the world. So, according to this book, we got four more months of America, or four more years of America? Um, in his own opinion, yes. Maybe he got, maybe he gets trapped in the past and goes missing somewhere in those four years. Well. Or in those four, in the next four months. I don't know how the election will go, but someone up there does. Okay, getting into the multi-worlds theory that I was just talking about. It could be that the original timeline, that's exactly how it goes. And if this doesn't turn out like the book said, it could be because the action of it happening changes the timeline in a butterfly effect to where it doesn't happen. Uh, I want to get into a story that, to me, feels like these multi-worlds that are created when the timeline shifts butt up against each other and either collide or barely weave into each other. Weave into each other, yes. Which totally could explain the Mandela effect. Is two of these alternate timelines re-emerging. Sometimes they might split back off. But have you ever heard the story of the man from Torrid? 
Um, I believe we've talked about this. If is this a Mandela effect story? Kind of, but it it only briefly affects this timeline and then is gone. Much like the murder hornets, they were just gone. Mandela effect. But there, there's the theory. The reason that 2020 keeps getting weirder and weirder is because somebody is trying to fix it, and then the butterfly effect of trying to fix it makes more and more weird stuff happen, like the cannibal rats, the Rona, the riots, the murder hornets, you name it. Any of the weird things that we've been playing Apocalypse Bingo about for the last multiple months is because allegedly some time traveler is messing with the past to fix the present and doing a horrible job. Let me ask you one thing. And then we can get back into your story. Since we're playing uh, Apocalypse Bingo, what do you got for November? I have for November, ooh, let's put it right now, Alien Disclosure fully. So we've already had UFO Disclosure. I'm saying in November, possibly October, because there's always that election October surprise. Government comes out and is like, Yo, dogs, these are our space brothers. Okay, that's a good one. You want to know what mine is? Yes. I'm going to go back to my boy Kojima and say that somewhere in Alaska, there is going to be a bipedal tank that shoots nuclear missiles. The Sasquatch? A Metal Gear, but yeah, we'll call it the Sasquatch. I get it's Metal Gear, but I just want to point out that in the $6 million man, the original cyborg... Sasquatch is a cyborg that the government made. It is literally a bipedal tank weapon. Yes. I do love, uh, what is he, a colonel? Colonel Steve uh, Austin? Anyways, the man from Torrid. Story takes place July 1954. A traveler with, I can't stress this enough, a very well-worn, well-used passport arrives in Tokyo, Japan, at Tokyo International Airport. Problem is, his passport says the country of Torrid. Torrid doesn't exist. He described himself as an international businessman who had been traveling for work frequently in the last five years. His passport was stamped multiple times by multiple other countries and even had Japanese stamps in it. Everything looked completely authentic to the man and to the passport, barring the fact that the country issuing it didn't exist. The man's native tongue was French, and he spoke fluent Japanese, as well as other languages. So he was detained, and he was asked to point out on a map where Torrid is. And he said, Torrid is where it's always been, and he pointed to a small country on the border between France and Spain, that we would call Andorra, but he referred to as Torrid and had no idea what Andorra was. Andorra is a principality that's been there literally forever. He became noticeably frustrated, but more and more folks didn't believe that Torrid was even a place. Imagine going to the DMV and telling them, this is your hometown, and then going, that town doesn't exist, never has existed, and you just losing your shit 
Ah, yes. My, my hometown is uh, Toronto. Redacted. In, in the, uh, my hometown is Toronto in the 51st state of Canada. You know, I might uh, bleep out that. Anyway, he was so convincing to the Japanese that they believed his sincerity were super confused, though. So he's like, hey, man, I've got a uh, reservation at a hotel down the street. Let's go there. They'll fess it up. He had no reservation there. Had the right name for the hotel, though. The traveler's checks that he had with him, the bank didn't exist. The uh, company he worked for didn't exist in this timeline. But still convinced was they of his sincerity that they put him in a hotel under guard, but they put him in a hotel overnight. When they checked on him, again, under guard, vanished in the thin air. His timeline doesn't exist anymore, why would he? Exactly. He was never seen from or heard of again the entire time in this timeline. Okay, yeah, I get that. That's uh, that's rather interesting. Um, you know, I think we've got time for about one more story, and if you've got a fantastic one, I'd love to hear it. I think this has been a fantastic, lighthearted episode. I've got one more. Do you know the story of the time traveler known as John Titer? I do know about John Titer, and I want to know more about him. There's only so much that we have. Would you say confirmed? There, there's some things on the story that line up pretty shockingly Eerily. well. Yeah. And then there's other things that don't, but they're explained away with... I fixed the timeline, so it The timeline has changed because butterfly effect, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, interesting side note, I was going through some Deadpool comics, and there's a reference to John Titer being a possible alias for the time-traveling supervillain known as Kang the Conqueror in the Marvel Universe. Hold on, hold on. King the Conqueror, the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy from is Fantastic Four. Doing good things as John Tiger. I think it's more like a tongue in cheek reference to a possible real time traveler to a fictional, I hope, evil time traveler, Kang the Conqueror. Anyways, it's not neither here nor there. Time traveler by the name of uh, John Tiger claimed to be a soldier from 2036 sent back to get a specific device from 1975 in order to save the future. A post-apocalyptic future at that already. So, for undisclosed personal reasons, John Titer was hanging out in the year 1998, and between July of 1998 until March of 2000, he kept in contact with a patron of the conspiratorial, rest in peace, Mr. Art Bell of Coast to Coast AM. He faxed in to Art, just, hey, man, I'm a time traveler from the future. If you want to know what's up, I'll let you know what's up. If not, whatever, no skin off my back. So between 1998, July of 1998, and March of 2000, he was active on early internet chat boards 
and frequent with the Coast to Coast show. Do you know the reason he was stuck here in that time? Originally, he came for personal reasons, but he was stuck in this time before going back to 1975 and then back to the future, allegedly. I believe you might have been a little too young for this. Allegedly. Allegedly. But around that, uh, you know, 1999, parties up out of time, was uh, the Y2K incident. Did he save us from Y2K? He might have. He might have changed the timeline enough to save us from Y2K. But the big thing at 1999 to 2000, and I remember this and everyone just freaking out, was the idea that when the computers went from 99 to 2000, there was going to be massive bugs, everything was shut down, Terminator apocalypse type shit happened because there was a shorthand computer shortcut that programmers were using where they would only use two digits. So like 85, 87, 89, 99. When we get to 99, it would be like it was 1900 instead of 2000. So everyone was shitting their pants. Really small bugs happened. Not that much. Not that bad. Bit of a big of a deal. I think it affected like airplane tickets and train tickets the most. There is a similar but like actually potentially disastrous bug called the uh, Unix 2038 timeout bug that John Titer said he was sent back from the future to stop. So I don't know what you know about computers, but they count time in seconds. Right. And Unix is an operating system, right? Right. It works on a 32-bit system. So there's one, 31 zeros, 32 integers, and it just counts, 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 counts. Zero hour is January 1st, 1970. And the timeout bug will end, I want to say, March of 2038 at 3.14 a.m., where computers will literally run out of integers to process in time. So he was sent back to get a IBM 5100. It was his story. I do know of that computer specifically. What do you know about the computer? I know that it was hush-hush for many years, you know, because they didn't want their competitors to know. But it's got a back door that'll help you change programming on other computers. Exactly. So, unknown to the public at the time, 1998 to 2000, John Titer somehow knew that the IBM 5100 could emulate programming in BASIC and other programming languages. And if we actually today needed to debug our systems to fix this uh, coding problem, the IBM 5100 could do it. It is the perfect one to do it. And IBM covered it up because if their competitors knew, it would literally be a Pandora's box and they would never have been able to uh, be, have a competitive advantage thereafter. So that's the first thing. That's but John Titer knew. John Titer knew. So his time machine 
you might be asking. What did it look like? How did it work? These were a lot of questions that people were asking him, and he was like free to give that information. His time machine was hidden in the back of a 1967 Chevy Corvette. Bitch and ride. Bitch and ride. But 67 Corvette, why that one? You needed a vehicle that wouldn't seem out of place in 1975. You know, um, speaking of 67 Corvettes, I just got a new uh, 69 Camaro. My parents just drove it up from the Bahamas. No way, really? Yeah. But the Bahamas are islands. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Titer described the time machine in several posts on the early chat boards of the internet. Uh, Art Bell's Post to Post. Hilarious name. So, it was a stationary mass temporal displacement unit powered by two top spin dual positive singularities. So, he was... Actually, one of the early people saying that you could use mini black holes as a power source for anything. Today, we're like, maybe we could use black holes for power sources for things. John Titer said that his time machine worked off this. Okay, but how does that compare to, say, a flux capacitor? Does a flux capacitor work on a mini black hole? Well, a flux capacitor is uh, flashing shiny lights. And from movie. Uh, the O'Reilly's Auto Parts catalog has one, so... That is true. If you look up flux capacitor on the O'Reilly Auto Parts catalog, it will come up. So, he goes on to describe his uh, time machine as a, having two magnetic housing units for dual micro-singularities. So, magnetically held holes in space-time. Right. Run the time machine. Yep. Unlike... Der Glocke, and allegedly how the uh, Element 115 crafts might work, but that's another story. And an electron injection manifold to alter mass and gravity of the micro-singularities, a cooling and x-ray venting system, and this is the kicker for me, gravity sensors or a variable gravity lock. So when you're going through time and space moves underneath you, you stay locked into the space that you're in. That sounds rather dangerous, don't you think? That's the idea. Uh, allegedly, so say you time travel in a spot, and then if you were to time travel into what is now a strip mall or something, if you've been like, like solid rock, the gravity sensors would realize that the density around you has completely changed and not allow you to materialize in that spot. So you okay. don't have to pick forward or behind, or move your vehicle and try another location. That sounds like a lot of guess and check work for time travel. Well, it sounds better than just materializing into solid rock and dying. This is also true. So he claimed that the correct model of physics was the many worlds interpretation and that there was a finite number of years that you could move and affect time before time completely altered from the timeline you were on to anything recognizable. He said it was about 60 years. If you went 60 years back and changed something, 
the future would be so un- unrecognizable that uh, it wouldn't matter. His... Okay, but if he needed to go back to the 70s, why was he just chilling around the late 90s, early 2000s, other than, say, Y2K? He could have just fix that and left. He could have been there for 99 and dipped. That's a good point. When asked, he just said he was there for personal reasons. Maybe he was trying to bang a 90s uh, actress or something. Maybe he just really enjoyed the life here or around that time, I guess. I mean, Where else are you going to get Surge? Yeah, dude, if I could go back and just live off Surge, I'd be so happy. Serge, please sponsor us and, you know, start making your stuff again. Yeah, Serge, please come back. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong for leaving you so long. Anyways, uh, he had a couple of predictions for the future from his timeline. And I noticed that the farther down the timeline from uh, 1998, where he said this is what my future was like, the more likely it was not to happen. So if he was right that butterfly effect would happen and it would radically diverge, it's because that's a fact of how the universe operates. The two things that he points to, first he points to CERN laying the foundations with a super collider of making time travel possible in the near future. And with all of the uh, discoveries that CERN has been making, and even the possibility that in 2012, CERN blowing up has physically shifted us into another timeline, as some of the Mandela Effect uh, conspiracies believe, that one checks plausible for me. The other one he said, so he said in late 90s, early 2000, that we would soon go to war with Iraq because we believe them to have nuclear weapons. We end up going to war with Iraq for weapons of mass destruction. A very small change from his timeline, but still close enough. And then after that, America kind of just completely devolves. There's a huge civil war. World War Three happens. Uh, we already cities, avoided that. That was January's twenty. That was twenty twenty January. But this is like two thousand four. This is supposed to happen. Uh, DC gets nuked. Bunch of towns get nuked. The capital gets moved to uh, Nebraska, I believe. And the Constitution is rewritten in twenty twenty. U.S. is broken into like five different super states. They're kind of fighting over resources, always on border wars. Shit gets crazy. But his time travel effects radically changed the trajectory that we're on. The other thing I just want to point out is his alleged military insignia looks super, 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 super similar to the new Space Force logo. And he put this out in 2000, 2020, we now have Space Force with... Basically the same logo. That's nuts. So uh, I guess what you're saying is, thanks, Mr. Titer, for, you know, keeping us from nuclear annihilation. War. Yeah. Part of me, my logical brain, wants to say, what a perfect excuse 
that jumping into the timeline changes the timeline. But then again, if the model of space-time that he says is correct is correct, it's not an excuse, it's just how the universe operates. Right. And with that, I want to know what you think about possible time travelers. Reach out to us at Invasion of the Weird on Instagram. Uh, leave us a message of any of your paranormal experiences at anchor.fm slash Invasion of the Weird. I'm Agent H. I'm the G-Man. We're signing off for tonight. We'll see you on the other side.